Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Hi, gang. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I wish you all good things over the span of the next couple of days. What would Thanksgiving be without a little amuse-bouche? And this is really special, drawn from the archives, because I remember it. I remember this particular broadcast. I remember it well. I know I've talked about it through the years, but I, I don't think that we've actually done what we're about to do now, which is to air for you a terrific back-and-forth about the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Today is the 60th anniversary, November 22nd, 1963. On this day, the 35th president of the United States assassinated while riding in a presidential motorcade through Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas. By the way, if you've if you've never been to the Texas School Book Depository, which is the, the perch from which... Oswald fired the fatal shots. I highly recommend it. Haven't done it on my last couple of trips through Dallas, but I have done it. And it it was always just so impressive to see the way that they've recreated the windowsill and and all of the information that they've assembled. Kennedy was in the vehicle with his wife, uh, Jacqueline Kennedy, Texas Governor John Connolly and Connolly's wife, Nellie, when Kennedy was fatally shot from that school book depository by a former U.S. Marine named Lee Harvey Oswald. The motorcade then rushes to Parkland Memorial Hospital, where Kennedy was pronounced dead about 30 minutes after the shooting. Connolly was also wounded in the attack, but recovered. He was treated at the same hospital. Vice President Lyndon Johnson then assumed the presidency upon Kennedy's death. It was Walter Cronkite who broke the news to the nation. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. Wiping his eye, taking off his glasses. Vice President Lyndon Johnson has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, Presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become... Uh, the 36th president of the United States. I mean, this was at a time when the whole nation was focused on one of three channels and one in particular, and Cronkite was the guy. And thinking about it, God forbid something like this were to happen today, we'd all suit up in our armor and, you know, go to our respective uh, media silos. Okay, so fast forward 40 years. 
It's now November 21, a Friday. That's why I was doing it on a Friday. I was doing morning drive in Philadelphia and on the day before the 40th anniversary. And it's interesting, having listened to this audio, apparently one day prior, Gerald Posner had been my guest. Gerald Posner, who wrote Case Closed, which I still regard as the definitive book beyond the Warren Commission report on the Kennedy assassination. So on the 40th anniversary, I I guess, and this seems like me, I probably would have done several segments over a couple of days looking toward the anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. And on this Friday, one day before the 40th anniversary of the assassination, I had a pair of guests to then discuss their competing thoughts of the single bullet theory and how Kennedy had been killed. I should point out that in the in-between, specifically in 1991, came JFK. 1991 was Oliver Stone's uh, depiction, adaptation, explanation of the Kennedy assassination focused on the New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison, Garrison came to believe that there was a conspiracy to assassinate Kennedy and that Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone. This is significant because in the audio that I'm about to play, there will be references made not only to Oliver Stone, but also to Kevin Cosner, who stars in that movie. So on the Friday before the Saturday 40th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination, I had United States Senator Arlen Specter as a guest, and I had famed pathologist Cyril Wecht as a guest. Here's the part that stands out in my mind. We we had attempted to make it easy for Specter by saying to him, Cyril Wecht is going to go first, you're going to go second, and I'll finish the interview with Wecht at such and such a time, so we'll call you when it's over. Senator Specter was in Washington that day in his Senate office. He didn't want any part of that. He wanted to dial in early, be able to sit there, trial lawyer that he was, and listen to Wecht. And, you know, I, I would do the same thing, except I'm not in the Senate. I figured he, he had other other fish to fry. No, 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 no. He wanted to listen to the 10-minute Wecht interview before he made his own case. Cyril, so Arlen Specter, you know, Arlen Specter, you know, as a national audience, as a former United States senator, uh, Philadelphians and people in Pennsylvania knew him as much more than that. He was a hard-charging district attorney, and it's when he was an assistant district attorney that he was recruited to serve as assistant counsel on the Warren Commission. And and therein lies, this was 1963-1964, his experience with the Kennedy assassination and the role that he played as this young prosecutor for which he is credited, some would say blamed, with the single bullet theory. To which Spectre would always correct me later in life and say, Michael, it's the single bullet conclusion. Because he believed that he had, you know, he'd proven it. Cyril Wecht, although he had high regard for Arlen Spectre, never bought into the single bullet theory or conclusion. Who was Cyril Wecht? Cyril Wecht, I believe, still with us in his mid-90s. He is a forensic pathologist, author, lecturer. He was the Allegheny County, think Pittsburgh, PA, elected coroner for 20 years. He performed 21,000 autopsies and reviewed or had been consulted on approximately 42,000 additional postmortem examinations. He co-authored more than 650 professional publications, editor or co-editor of 48 books. Uh, you'll remember he got a lot of time talking about the John Benet Ramsey case, the O.J. Simpson case, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a well-credentialed, respected pathologist. 
Cyril Wecht, as I say, was my first guest when we focused, let's just say, on the 40th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. And I remember him speaking specifically about that bullet trajectory. Having been fired from the sixth floor window of the Texas School Book Depository, according to the Warren Commission, it exits from the front of his neck. It would be moving leftward, downward, and forward, but instead it comes out, it stops in midair somehow, turns about 18 inches, comes back to the right, slams into John Conley, um, governor of Texas, directly behind his right armpit, posterior axillary area, goes through his chest at a downward angle of 27 degrees, perforates the right lung, destroys four inches of the right fifth rib anteriorly, exits from the level of the chest beneath the nipple, hooks upward. When you can see from the Zapruder film that John Conley is holding that big white Texas Stetson hat a few inches above the level of the nipple, the bullet has to come upward. It turns and hooks around, comes into the back of his right wrist, shatters the distal end of the radius, which is one of the two bones coming down from the elbow to the wrist, exits from the front of the governor's wrist, and proceeds now into the governor's left eye at a downward angle of 45 degrees. All right. So that's the trajectory. All right, hang on, Dr. Weck, hang on. i got to get a word in here. You sound, as you lay this out, like Kevin Cosner in, in Oliver Stone's JFK. Yeah, because that was my suggestion to, to Oliver Stone. I know, but Specter. I have to tell you, I, th- I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was a cheap shot to Senator Specter, the way he was sort of ridiculed by Cosner, and why Specter didn't sue Oliver Stone, I, I have no well, I don't idea. Mean, I don't mean at all to ridicule Senator I, I, I respect Senator Specter and consider him to be uh, one of the more industrious, hardworking, and intelligent members of the United States Senate, even though I'm a Democrat. No, I respect him. I'm not ridiculing the senator. I am. I, 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 I said to him, he was on our program last year, I said, uh, you know, Senator, I said, what your presentation proves is that you can be one of the most eminent senators around and yet not be a very good forensic scientist. You, you hear back in real time now, 2023, you hear Cyril Weck's explanation, and you say to yourself, how could the bullet, no wonder they call it a magic bullet, how in the world could it have done that? And then my follow-up with Dr. Weck was to say, hey, I just read Case Closed, I just interviewed Gerald Posner, and Posner has a diagram in the book. I think you're about to hear me repeat all of this, but so be it. And when you look at the diagram, it doesn't sound so crazy. So when you explain it in a soundbite and when Cosner explained it, and it's interesting for me to know, that was your suggestion to Oliver Stone? Uh, yes. Uh, I, when, it sounds like, I mean, if I were driving in well, my not, car... Not, not to ridicule Senator Speck. No, 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 I understand. No, no, no. You've made that clear. You have a lot of respect for him, and so do I, and I appreciate you saying that. But if I were driving in my car to work right now in Philadelphia, I would right now be saying, oh, my God, how in the hell could it have happened that way? Well, but Senator Speck is going to tell you how he thinks it happened. And I'm so. going to give him that chance, but, but yeah. here's what I wanted to say. I have in front of me Case Closed from Gerald Posner, yeah, right. and Posner was my guest here yesterday because we've been doing a lot of Kennedy conversations. And he has two full pages of a diagram. And when you look at his diagram, frankly, it makes sense because you you can see how the angle would work coming through the the back of Kennedy through an exit wound in his neck. And then the bullet tumbles and it turns and it goes through Connolly Connolly as it's turning. I mean, what I'm trying to say is I think there's a reasonable alternative explanation than yours. Well, no, because you see, (laughs) Posner, again, and I don't say this in a denigrating, uh, condescending fashion. Uh, he has no background at all in forensic science. But let me tell you this, and I've been on programs and I've dealt with this, and many of our, uh, my colleagues have too. There is no basis. This is all, all, 
all conjectured on his part, the bullet tumbling and this and that. And if you go to the Zapruder film and you line up the pictures that are there in reality, then you don't have to deal with anybody's hypothesis or conjecture because you can see, based upon the Zapruder film, that that's not the way these two men were lined up. Okay, that's the famed pathologist Cyril Weck. This is 20 years ago. You're hearing on the 40th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination the two competing schools of thought. Now, you know, standing by in the what biz, what building was he in? Was he in the Hart building? I forget. And we used to have it wired for sound. Yes, he was in the Hart building. The Hart Senate the building. Was a Cannon one, and I would have remembered that it was Hart. Okay, so and remember, we we had we literally yes. had not surreptitiously, no. but we had Senator Specter's office wired with an ISDN line because such were my regular broadcasts from his office. On this day, he's just there on a phone. I'm not yeah. there. And he would often call. This was a, a much more you know a lengthy and serious one. But yes. sometimes he would call on the way to you know working out. He'd go play right. squash, squash. Call yeah. you on the way in. So he he has published Passion for Truth, which is his memoir. Now he's been listening to Sierra Wecht. And he's eager to respond. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Michael Smirconish program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. So he, he has published Passion for Truth, which is his memoir. Now he's been listening to Sierra Wecht, and he's eager to respond, and this is it. I'm Michael Smirconish. It's 736. We don't want to waste a moment. We've got United States Senator Arlen Specter with us. We're talking about his work on the Warren Commission and the single bullet conclusion tomorrow, the 40-year anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. Senator Specter, why didn't you sue Oliver Stone, Kevin Cosner, and the whole group of them after the JFK movie came out? Uh, When you ask about uh, why I didn't sue them, Michael, I gave it serious consideration, uh, but I decided that it would... uh, uh, take up too much of my time. I was uh, in the Senate. That was back in 1991. I was facing a, a tough re-election campaign, just as I am now, and uh, uh, I thought it would be uh, be too distracting. And anyway, I didn't want to own a 
movie studio. Was it? What uh, was it? Was that part of the reason why you wrote Passion for Truth so that at least Arlen Specter would have his story out there and part of the public record? Well, yes, it was, uh, uh, Michael, but it was even more fundamental than that. Aside from what uh, uh, what Oliver Stone did, uh, he, he put on a piece of fiction, and it has been thoroughly derided. The ABC uh, two-hour special last night went into great detail. Walter Cronkite condemned it. It's been reanalyzed. Uh, but even without uh, Oliver Stone, uh, people are still talking about the assassination of President Lincoln 138 years later. Uh, people will be talking uh, about the Kennedy assassination perhaps centuries. Who, who, who knows how long? And uh, I thought it was important, to, even before Oliver Stone, uh, to write it all down step by step, exactly what we did, where, where we went through uh, all of the evidence, the tests we did. Uh, they, they were exhaustive, and uh, I wrote it all down. Uh, Michael, uh, I've accepted an invitation from Dr. Weck to go to his... Uh, a symposium tomorrow. Are you reconsidering uh, and now? I'm glad to uh, discuss it or debate it. I've debated it many times. I debated it against Mark Lane, who uh, wrote, a, wrote a book on uh, British broadcasting. We had a four-hour debate one Sunday night uh, in 1967. I debated Josiah Thompson at the law school in uh, Penn. And uh, listen, uh, I don't have a vested interest. I want uh, people to know the facts. I just wish that people would read the Warren report or take the time to read my book. It's in the library. Uh, Senator Specter, when we had Dr. Wecht on moments ago, he said, well, the trajectory is d- doesn't match. The weight of the bullet is a problem and the condition. Would you address the condition issue? Because, uh, for, and I, I think you should start by saying that the single bullet conclusion uh, assumes that that bullet left in awfully good condition. Is that right, after going well, through Kennedy it, and uh, Connolly? It was in good condition, but it was flattened, consistent with grazing uh, Governor Connolly's rib. We, we performed tests on anesthetized goats uh, at Edgewater Arsenal in Maryland, and uh, one bullet uh, grazed the rib of a goat and came up with about that flattened condition. Uh, Dr. Weck talked about a metallic substance being extruded, that means coming out the back of the, the top of the bullet. And uh, uh, the commission went into great detail on the wrist, which had uh, governor's wrist, which had metallic fragments at various levels. And when I saw that, uh, I doubted that, that bullet could come out. But I looked further, and we called uh, Dr. Gregory, and he came in and testified in Washington. He brought the x-ray slides. He had performed the operation, and he said these metallic fragments at various levels of the wrist are a postage stamp weight consistent with coming from uh, from this bullet. I mean, the soundbite from Dr. Wecht is to say, well, how could one bullet have caused seven wounds in two men and escaped in such good condition? Your response would be? Well, it's uh, very direct. Uh, the bullet passed between two large strap muscles on the president's neck hit nothing solid, came out uh, uh, from the front of his throat. Uh, it, was in ver- it was in pristine condition then. Uh, it entered the uh, governor's body slightly to the left of the right armpit, and there was a little yaw. That means it was wobbling a little, but still not much, because the hole in the governor's, the back of his uh, uh, arm, between his slightly to the left of his right armpit was almost pristine. 
uh, and then it did flatten as it uh, did damage to the rib, uh, and then uh, uh, it came out uh, a hole in the his chest slightly below his right nipple, about four inches in diameter, and at that point a bullet tumbles, and it went through the governor's wrist backward. And it, uh, it, when Dr. Wick said, will they perform tests at Edgewater? Sure. And we fired uh, the bullet at cadaver wrists, and if it hit nothing sooner, it flattened out the bullet and destroyed the wrist. But by the time it went through Connolly's wrist, it had decreased in velocity tremendously, and that had almost none left and, and lodged in his thigh. Uh, it's not possible, Michael, in the course of a few minutes to detail all the evidence uh, but I'll be talking about it head-to-head uh, -head with Dr. Weck tomorrow. I'm glad to do that. Well, let me, let me say that... It, take a look at the book. It's all there. Let me, let me just say, and by the way, we're grateful to United States Senator Arlen Specter talking with us about such a, a historic moment. Not only is it dealt with in Passion for Truth, but and you may not know this, Senator, but I have in front of me a reissued copy of Case Closed, which is Gerald Posner's 640-page analysis where he comes to exactly the same conclusions as the Warren Commission, and he takes two full pages in a, a schematic to lay out the single bullet. And when you see it on paper in a schematic, it makes sense. But, you know, when you hear Cyril Wecht in a soundbite or you hear Kevin Cosner speaking for Oliver Stone in the movie, you know, it's easy to say, oh, well, how the hell could that have happened? Uh, Michael, when uh, Dr. Wecht says uh, Arnold Specter's not a forensic scientist, I, I was pleased to hear him say that I was a pretty good senator. <laughs> he was a little more uh, gracious, a little, little, little more complimentary than just a pretty good senator. But uh, when he said, "I'm not a forensic scientist," but but I consulted forensic scientists, and in 1971, eight forensic scientists examined the X-rays and the photos, and Dr. Reck Wecht was one of them, and seven of them said the single bullet conclusion was correct. What one final question for you, and I appreciate uh, your time. Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby uh, uh, kills Lee Harvey Oswald. Jack Ruby is uh, being interrogated, and Arlen Specter, a young Arlen Specter, plays a role. Would you tell that story? Well, I was present when uh, Jack Ruby's testimony was taken. Uh, there were some fascinating uh, events there. Uh, his lawyer, Joe Tonahill, uh, handed Gerald Ford a note. Ruby demanded to see it. He couldn't read it. The Chief Justice of the United States took off his glasses and handed them this convicted murder under the death sentence. And the note said, uh, you see, I told you he was crazy. Uh, I was there when Jack Ruby's polygraph was taken. Uh, the uh, polygraph examiner, lie detector examiner, concluded that Ruby was telling the truth when he said that uh, he was not connected with the conspiracy and didn't know uh, Oswald. Uh, but more basically, an ABC TV last night went into great detail. Uh, nobody would uh, would uh, hire uh, a guy like Jack Ruby who was so erratic. But uh, here again, Michael, it's uh, all in the book. Senator Specter, we appreciate uh, your time here today and every time you come on the program. It's always a pleasure, Michael. Right. And let me congratulate you. You're, you're about the only guy I can get Dr. Weck and me in the same half hour. Well, you know, I was about to say to you, you, you have led and are leading an incredible life. I mean, you're sitting here telling us a story about being in a room with Jack Ruby and the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court and, and you know, Gerald Ford. It's, it's, it's astounding. 
And I think sometimes, and here's my, my free commercial for you, sometimes people take for granted the role that Arlen Specter has played in history, but I'm not one of them. Well, it was a great opportunity, Michael, but... Uh, 33 years old. You, you ought to see the number of problems we got down here today with the energy bill and Medicare The energy bill, drugs. A prescription drugs, drugs Medicare... Yeah. He's almost a decade he's been gone. Almost a, Okay, back in real time. It's Thanksgiving 2023. It's literally the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. And as TC can attest, I've been sitting here champing at the bit, thinking I was going to jump in, but I didn't want to talk over any of it. I just wanted to keep the record of that conversation pristine for all of you. And you know what, Dan, if I can just look to you for a, for a second. First of all, thank you, TC. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Alice, for pulling that together, because I think that was really great. Um, Dan, I wonder if we release this conversation as the podcast today, if we don't add in as a bonus course all of Cyril Wecht. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think we should yeah tack it on at the end, one hundred percent. It's a it's a great conversation. It is uh, it is lengthy and it is worthy, as you like to say. Yeah, and I'd like to have the record. I, I couldn't, for time reasons, have all of Wecht in it. I didn't want to cut into Spectre, but I think that for the podcast to have it all would just be great. And then it can sit yeah. out there forever. Senator mm-hmm. Spectre wondered if for centuries we'd be debating the JFK case. Well, we're still 60 years on and we're still debating what happened, but at least you've got two knowledgeable, articulate individuals from whom you each you you just heard, from whom you just heard in trying to give their their version of it. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. In the initial portion of the program, we are going to speak to Dr. Cyril Wecht. Now, Dr. Wecht is a guy that you see with regularity on CNN and on Fox News. He spent a lot of time on national television 
in the uh, O.J. Simpson and John Benet Ramsey cases, I'm sure that Dr. Wecht is going to be a, a big part of the, the Michael Jackson case as it unfolds as well. He's the coroner of Allegheny County. He's one of the world's leading experts in forensic pathology. Dr. Wecht, if you can imagine this, has performed approximately 14,000 autopsies and has supervised, reviewed, or been consulted on approximately 30,000 additional post-mortem examinations. He's also the author of a very popular nonfiction book called Cause of Death, Grave Secrets, and Who Killed John Benet Ramsey. I could take up the entire segment just reading this gentleman's CV, but I'd rather talk to him. Dr. Cyril Wecht, welcome back to Philadelphia. Yeah, hi. You, you've, got an old, you've got an old CV. It's 15,000 and 35,000. <laughs> And more, most importantly, a, a new book, Mortal Evidence. Oh, man, um, you are funny. Uh, Shepard, um, O.J., Jean Benet, uh, Binion, uh, Mortal Evidence. But thank you for calling. How are you? It's nice to, it's nice to chat with you. You know, it's funny. You wouldn't remember this, but uh, ten years ago, you were on a radio program of mine across town in Philadelphia. Oh. And I remember the night well because we had a power failure. And every single line was lit with people who wanted to speak to Cyril Weck, much like they are this morning. And oddly enough, in the power failure, your connection remained solid, but all of the other power sources went out. It was one of the funniest nights I've had in the business, so I, I'm happy to have you back. Well, Hopefully the power you. doesn't go out. Hey, Dr. Weck, what exactly are you doing with this symposium uh, at the Cyril Weck Institute of Forensic Science and Law? It started last night at 6.15, and it went uh, well past midnight because we had the director's cut uh, from Oliver Stone with his movie JFK. But um, I uh, started off the keynote talk, and then we had a panel. And the program runs all day today, tomorrow, and Sunday. We've got a fantastic lineup of people, uh, university professors, textbook writers, people who have been serious critic researchers, physicians and attorneys for years and years, uh, and uh, we've got, <laughs> we have 1,300 people today. We don't even know where we're going to fit them in uh, <laughs> at the Student Union at Duquesne University. So this is the largest convocation of people gathered in 40 years anywhere uh, dealing with the JFK assassination. What we're trying to do is to review the case. We have some groundbreaking information, uh, so to speak, uh, some new stuff. Dr. Robert Grossman for example, one of the two neurosurgeons at Parkland Hospital ER to examine President Kennedy that day is in our on our program. The first time in 40 years that he has spoken out publicly on this matter. Senator Arlen Specter, by the way, um, from Philadelphia. Who will be a guest on my program 10 minutes after you. Oh, good, good, good. Please give him my best. And I will do that. to him for participating in our program. Um, he is, of course, the creator of the single bullet theory, which, uh, you know, the critic researchers uh, do not accept but Senator Specter has steadfastly uh, stood by that, and he has every right to to explain. And uh, well, Dr. Weck, can so I stop? So it's a fantastic program. Can I can I stop you there with regard yeah. to Senator Specter? Because when yeah. I when I have him on the program, he he always uh, requires that I refer to it as the single bullet conclusion, <laughs> not theory. Now, what 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 is the problem from Cyril Weck's perspective with the single bullet conclusion? Well. Um, to get to the heart of it, uh, the three major reasons from a forensic scientific standpoint are the trajectory, uh, the bullet, the weight, and the condition. Uh, the single bullet theory, so that people will know who are listening, holds 
that one bullet produced seven wounds in two men and uh, caused uh, fractures of an extensive nature of two big bones in uh, Governor John Connolly, who was seated directly in front of the president. The reason that the single bullet theory had to be uh, produced, and uh, it was the brilliance of Senator Specter in a way that I guess saved the day for the Warren Commission. Um, the problem arose when they test fired the alleged murder weapon, the Manneker Carcano, which is a bolt action on automatic carbine, and then they looked at the Zapruder film, named after a woman's clothing merchant who took pictures that day with a brand new 8mm Bellhawk camera, and there was a significant temporal disparity between the two because uh, they found that it took 2.3 seconds from shot to shot in the hands of the most skilled marksman that the government could come up with, and it was clear from the Zapruder film that Connolly was hit about 1.5 seconds after Kennedy was hit the first time. Well, obviously that couldn't be. So you can imagine, and I wasn't there, uh, how, how do you deal with that? Oswald's dead. They've already arrived at their conclusion. There's no question that they had determined in their minds that Oswald was the sole assassin. And that is what gave birth to the single bullet theory. It sound, uh, let me Arnold, just slow Arnold you Inspector down. Said, Arnold Inspector said, hey, what if one bullet went through John, Con uh, John Kennedy, and then that same bullet, uh, the stretcher bullet, found on a stretcher uh, at Parkland Hospital that afternoon by a maintenance man after everybody had left, uh, which was originally on the night of the autopsy thought to be from Kennedy's back, the next day thought to be from Kennedy's neck, and now five months later in March of 64, now it's coming from Connolly's left thigh. So here's what the single bullet says. Theory, theory, conclusion. <laughs> it's their conclusion. <laughs> it's our much disputed and, and um, refuted uh, theory. The single bullet theory says that the bullet went into... John Kennedy in his back, and they revised that location upwards, by the way, because originally it was five and a half inches down below the level of the shoulder, and they found that that didn't fit with a hole in the front of the neck. So they moved it up, and Gerald Ford, uh, ex-president Gerald Ford, and a member of the Warren Commission, has acknowledged this, that he, that he instructed them to move it up. Anyway, the bullet then goes through John uh, Kennedy's neck at an 11-degree upward angle, having been fired from the sixth-floor window of the Texas School Book Depository, according to the Warren Commission. It exits from the front of his neck. It would be moving leftward, downward, and forward, but instead it comes out, it stops in midair somehow, turns about 18 inches, comes back to the right, slams into John Conley, um, governor of Texas, directly behind his right armpit, posterior axillary area, goes through his chest at a downward angle of 27 degrees, perforates the right lung, destroys four inches of the right fifth rib anteriorly, exits from the level of the chest beneath the nipple, hooks upward. When you can see from the Zapruder film that John Connolly is holding that big white Texas Stetson hat a few inches above the level of the nipple, the bullet has to come upward. It turns and hooks around, comes into the back of his right wrist, shatters the distal end of the radius, which is one of the two bones coming down from the elbow to the wrist, exits from the front of the governor's wrist, and proceeds now into the governor's left thigh at a downward angle of 45 degrees. All right. So that's the trajectory. All right, hang on, Dr. Weck, hang on. i got to get a word in here. You sound, as you lay this out, like Kevin Cosner in, in Oliver Stone's JFK. Yeah, because that was my suggestion to, to Oliver Stone. I know, but Specter. I have to tell you, I, th I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was a cheap shot to Senator Specter, the way he was sort of ridiculed by Cosner, and why Specter didn't sue Oliver Stone, I, I have no well, I don't idea. Mean, I don't mean at all to ridicule Senator I, I, I respect Senator Specter and consider him to be uh, one of the more industrious, hardworking, and intelligent members of the United States Senate, even though I'm a Democrat. No, I respect him. I'm not ridiculing the senator. I am. I, 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 I said to him, he was on our program last year, I said, uh, 
You know, Senator, I said, what your presentation proves is that you can be one of the most eminent senators around and yet not be a very good forensic scientist. Here's what I wanted to say to you. So when you explain it in a soundbite and when Cosner explained it, it's interesting for me to know, that was your suggestion to Oliver Stone? Uh, yes. Uh, when it sounds like, I mean, if I were driving in, well, my not, car, not not to ridicule Senator Speck. No, no, no. I understand. No, no, no. You've made that clear. You have a lot of respect for him, and so do I. And I appreciate you saying that. But if I were driving in my car to work right now in Philadelphia, I would right now be saying, "Oh my God, how in the hell could it have happened that way?" Well, but Senator Speck is going to tell you how he thinks it happened, and I'm so. going to give him that chance. But but yeah. here's what I wanted to say. I have in front of me case closed from Gerald Posner, yeah, right. and Posner was my guest here yesterday because we've been doing a lot of Kennedy conversation, and he. Had has two full pages of a diagram, and when you look at his diagram, frankly, it makes sense because you, you can see how the angle would work coming through the, the back of Kennedy through an exit wound in his neck, and then the bullet tumbles, and it turns, and it goes through Connedy, Connolly as it's turning. I mean, I, what I'm trying to say is I think there's a reasonable alternative explanation than yours. Well, no, because you see, <laughs> Posner, again, uh, and I don't say this in a denigrating, uh, condescending fashion. Uh, he has no background at all in forensic science. But let me tell you this, and I've been on programs and I've dealt with this, and many of our, uh, my colleagues have too. There is no basis. This is all, all, all conjectured on his part, the bullet tumbling and this and that. And if you go to the Zapruder film and you line up the pictures that are there in reality, then you don't have to deal with anybody's hypothesis or conjecture because you can see, based upon the Zapruder film, that that's not the way these two men were lined up. Uh, I wish that you could be here at the program. Me too. Let me, let me just finish the other two points, which, which even if you, I mean, I, I don't for one moment concede anything on the trajectory, but what they don't deal with then is the weight of the bullet as found on the stretcher and the condition of the bullet. The bullet in its pristine store-bought condition weighs 161 grains. The bullet as found weighs 158.6 grains. 2.4 grains is exactly 1.5%, and yet there were radiographically demonstrable pieces of metal from that bullet present in John Conley's chest, wrist, and thigh. And we're told that, that collectively all those fragments weighed less than one and a half percent of the original weight of the bullet. Anybody that has ever done an autopsy knows that there's no way in the world that a bullet leaves pieces of itself and you only have a weight loss of one and a half percent. And then there's the condition of the bullet. This bullet, as I've said, destroyed, not just a tangential fracture, destroyed four inches of the right fifth rib and caused a comminuted fracture of the distal end of the radius, and keep in mind, John Conley is six foot four, a big bone guy, and yet this bullet emerged essentially near pristine. There is only slight extrusion of the inner lead core of this copper jacketed military piece of ammunition. All right, I, I, I have to. We've got to wrap up. Okay. So I get it. The angle doesn't work. The weight. You think that there's unaccounted. There's too much left in Connolly for right. the weight to work, and the condition. It wouldn't be pristine. It would have been destroyed. One more fast comment on the on the weight. They they themselves did experiments at Edgewood Army Arsenal. Ask Senator Specter about that. The experiments that they did I'm at going Edgewood to. Army Arsenal, shooting that same ammunition from another man of Carcano into 
human cadavers breaking the radius and then to goats breaking a rib to simulate the fractures of John Connolly. Ask him what those bullets look like. I'm going to do it in a minute. Did they ever come up with a bullet that came anywhere near looking as pristine as Commission Exhibit 399, the magic bullet? That's what I call it. All right, Dr. Wecht, who has done 15,000 autopsies. (laughs) I was 1,000 light. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.